Welcome to episode 121 of the Ask Chief Show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and nutrition. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing how often to go for a one rep max, lifting weights with a slipped disc, or and lower body exercises for runners. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. I was just about to say how smoothly that intro it went. It was, but then and then I stumbled. said, or instead of and. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to answer one of these questions. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. Um, also, Jason, I just realized that the dryer is running. Okay, turn yeah, off. yeah. I know, keep it just talking. really bothers Jason when the dryer is running, and then you can hear it when he's editing, and he's like, oh, the dryer was running. So, <laughs> just, I just wanted to keep make talking, sure we took talking. care of that. I'm talking. Okay. I'm talking. I'm telling the story. All right, so it's been a little bit of a, <laughs> of a, a little bit of a period of time off, I guess. It's been, what, a week and a half off, so we yeah, missed so. three episodes, unfortunately. Um, but we've been, we've been busy. It's been crazy. Yeah. I mean, we just got back from FitCon. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So we were invited to speak at the FitCon Summit, which is was a sort of like a offshoot of FitCon, which FitCon in itself is this kind of like really big um, fitness expo where they have booths and like lots of vendors selling different things and they have different events as well. So like powerlifting events and fighting events and, you know, strongman, all those kind of fencing. fencing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, it's basically like a light version of the Arnold. Yeah. Right? There's yeah. like fitness competitions, but also, yeah, there's the expo part of it. So there are vendors and stuff like people selling different types of items. Um, and then you just walk around and there's appearances by, you know, fitness celebrities. Yeah, there's so. a bunch of CrossFitters there. Yeah, CrossFitters. I um, ran into um, Chris and Heidi Powell in the elevator. <laughs> they're uh, they're from the show Extreme, I think it's called Extreme Weight Loss. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still on the air. Uh, probably not. But I remember watching it and really, really liking them because it was like the antithesis of Biggest Loser. Like yeah. they were helping people who were morbidly obese lose weight, but over the course of a year and in their own home, not like on a ranch. Right. <laughs> and they were actually nice to them. So it was pretty cool. I, like they just walked into the elevator and I was like, oh, hey guys. Yeah. <laughs> and just had a little quick conversation with them and they were super nice. So that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually the hotel was kind of great. The hotel was directly across the street from the convention and there were like, you saw Jay Cutler. I saw Jay Cutler, like, who's just a bodybuilder. Like, yeah. This massive individual. Just like, yeah, just a lot of people that you kind of like peripherally, peripherally know um, in the fitness industry. So that was kind of cool. It was very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the summit is what we spoke at. And the summit was um, sort of an offshoot of it for um, specifically for personal trainers, um, you know, people who are looking to improve their craft, essentially yeah. as a coach. And yeah, we talked about building culture and community within the fitness space and we talked to people whether they were a gym owner doing it in their own facility or if even if they're just a personal trainer how they can start to like cultivate a better community even just within their clients um, that they do have yeah so. yeah so that went really well um yeah we had a lot of fun with it yeah it went, it went very well we were, we were pretty happy with the way it went um we kind of like left it to the last like week and a half to do it. So classic. This is we always say classic packs because we do this all the time. Like I think they, I think Nick who invited us out to speak, I'm pretty sure he contacted us before Kendrick was born. So it was definitely more than six months ago. And he was like, you know, I know you obviously you're gonna have a lot going on. And we were like, we think we can make this work. Yeah. And we'll have plenty of time to do it. And then like on the plane, we're still editing editing the presentation. Yeah. It's so classic. That's just what we do. So I mean, yeah. I mean, today. I mean, today is Kendrick's six month birthday. birthday I guess is it a birthday? Half birthday? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but man, it's really flown by. I can't believe six months. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's so crazy. Um, so yeah, it flies by when you have a newborn, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we still were able to pull it together and, um, yeah, it was cool. It was, yeah. it was. And we got to lot of, meet, meet a lot of uh, achievers that have been following us from, from afar. Right? Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. It was really nice to be able to put some, um, faces to names that we've either been in contact with on Instagram or through the podcast. So yeah. yeah. Empowered by Penny. Yeah, we met Penny. That was awesome. Um, so yeah, we've been we've been a little bit busy, but now we're back on schedule. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess on top of that, we've been launching our online or in the process of launching our online training platform as well. Yeah. So we've just had a lot of things going on. Yeah, um, that'll be um, that'll be officially launched hopefully early next week. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I guess we haven't even planned talking about this, but uh, no. we're we're going to be launching our online programming uh, platform it's through um, an app called team builder and it's just awesome so basically what we did was we got um, we filmed every single exercise that we put in our programs and we laid on top of them cues and instructions and just filmed it in the way that we do um, at achieve so a lot of uh, kind of different apps and different exercise libraries you're kind of like left to the mercy of like people uploading certain videos and so we wanted to make sure that it was executed in the way that we do it in the context of an Achieve program. So that was really helpful. And also, yeah, it's just basically the closest thing that you can get to being a member at Achieve Fitness, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever you live. Yeah, so, exactly. Pretty so, cool. Yeah, we're really excited. We're putting the finishing touches on the website right now. And hopefully that will be done by the end of the week. We'll have any kinks worked out by the weekend and yeah. then launch early next week. So yeah. maybe in Monday's, next Monday's uh, episode will be... Announcing an yeah, exciting it'll be launch. Our official. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> cool. All right, so we are going to get into the questions after that very long intro about why we've been away. Um, <laughs> the first one is from Suresh Gurung13, and they said, "How often should I try one rep max for increasing my personal best?" Yeah, this is a really good question. Um, it really just depends on where you are at in terms of your journey and your experience level. And so, if you're a beginner, I would say that you should try to strive to always try to increase weights a little bit or increase your repetitions a little bit. Try to do something to continuously push further and further forward. And when you're a beginner, it's actually pretty easy to do that because everything's so novel and you have so much more room to grow. Yeah. Did you say that's accurate? Yeah, exactly. You just have a lot of potential that you haven't accessed. And so yeah. you're like every workout you're like, wow, another, like I did another rep or yeah. I did another five pounds and it just always feels like this linear progression. Yeah. One of the ways that we really test someone's one rep max uh, repetition is um, through bench squat and deadlifts, so the traditional power lifts. And when we have our members finally get to that point where we test out their maxes, they have like unbelievable like days and results. Yeah, right? yeah. So that's the first one. Now the second one, we usually take about 16 to 20 weeks, so four to five months or so, or maybe even a little bit more to retest that one rep max again. And the gains are significantly less because right. now they're reaching much closer to their potential. Now, the more experienced you are, the less times we want you to max out throughout a year. And each max out is going to be very, very like diminishing returns, basically. So you might work for six months and have your bench press increase by like five to 10 pounds, if that. Um, and so it just becomes, again, just a law of diminishing returns. So it becomes much more difficult. And so you have to really be strategic and plan things out. And so, I mean, if you think about like Olympians, they, they plan to max out and PR their competition every four years, once yeah. every four years. And so the more 
kind of like dialed into your training and the more experience you have, the longer you have to take to continue to build a, um, a wider and broader base to eventually get to a higher peak. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is a mistake that you and I made with ourselves more True, so even yeah. with our clients. Like we almost like knew better with people we were working with, but yeah. for ourselves, we were like, oh, but we're more experienced. Like we can just keep trying every once in a while. Like, right. just, like whenever we feel like it, we're just going to see what our max is. Um, and that was never a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I that. think the issue with that is like, we see like either going through like a physical certification or like you're trying to meet the requirements of a, yeah. a physical certification and we're like, okay, like we want to get there as quickly as possible. So let's just keep testing our maxes and keep trying to push that threshold. Yeah. Like and we just want to, cause you want to go in with the confidence that like, you know, you can do it. Right. Yeah. So you're like, let me just make sure that I can still do that <laughs> one RM that I like am working toward. Right. Yeah. Or even like, like, um, strong first has the beast tamer and iron maiden challenge, mm. which is a, a pull up, a pistol squat and a overhead press, a single arm overhead press with a 24 kg for women and a 48 kg for men and i remember trying to train for that and i remember i could do the pistol and i was getting really close to the press and the pull-up was kind of nowhere to be found i was like <laughs> at a 32 or something and i would just try to test my max and try to increase that threshold over and over and over again until finally like my elbows were swollen like everything just felt horrible so yeah you just really need to take your time to build the base first before you attempt to try to get to those personal bests and personal records as you get more experienced. Yeah, and so it's much more about trusting the process, trusting mm, that yeah. using submaximal weights is actually making you stronger. And that's something that feels so counterintuitive, like especially when you've gone from, if you started out as more of a beginner lifter and you've gone from that experience of increasing your weights week to week and always hitting new personal bests and PRs, you have that experience and then it feels like you're going backwards to do weights that are less than what you possibly can. Right, yeah. Right, so that feels so counterintuitive. Like, why would I do weights that I can, like, when I know I can, say you're benching, like, I know I can bench press 100 pounds, why would I spend time doing 75 pounds? Yeah. Like, it just doesn't feel like you're getting stronger. Totally. So we totally get that, but if you're constantly pushing that threshold and at that top weight, things are just going to start breaking down because your body's meant to do that weight once until like it's an absolute <laughs> max right and so yes you can do it once but your training needs to actually be more in like the 70 80 sometimes 90 percent of that in order to actually then be able to increase that in the future yeah it's been actually um funny enough runners have a little bit of a um, easier time to understand this because mm -hmm. they don't just go out and run a 10k or a marathon every single time they run they realize that they need to log a, a certain catalog of miles each week in order to prepare them to withstand the distance and volume of a marathon. So they're kind of like, oh, I can see why I wouldn't just fully go to my max effort weights uh, because I put in training miles and training runs throughout the week in order for me to, in four months, five months, or six months or so, to actually have a race day. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the same thing, same kind of concepts do apply yeah. when you're lifting as well. Um, yeah, Definitely. I think that cool. kind of answers it. So I guess we never really answered how often to do it, but... Um, I kind of talked about it, yeah. Oh, okay, if you're you a beginner, okay, try to keep pushing it. And if you are, the more experienced you are, basically, you should be testing it less and less. Um, I would say maybe three times a year for okay, like a yeah, beginner to intermediate. intermediate. If you're an intermediate to advanced lifter, maybe one to two times a year. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Just to sum it up. Sum it up. Awesome. All right. Question number two is from... 
Mani Sankari underscore Kumar, and they said, is it okay for people with slip discs to lift weights as part of strength training? That's a really good question. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and you know, like when you go to get your, if, if your back is ailing you and you go to get it checked out by a doctor, you might get some terminology like a slip disc, like degenerative disc disease, um, like bulging disc and herniated discs. And you know, these are all basically um, diagnosis, diagnoses, diagnosis? <laughs> yeah, I think it's diagnosis. Diagnoses, diagnoses, <laughs> <laughs> um, that really make it seem like it's a life sentence that is like, you, you can never do anything with your back ever. Mm. You're, you, you have a bad back, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and while maybe in the short term, if something has happened and you did herniate your disc, you know, in the short term, maybe six months, a year, like maybe even a little bit longer than that, um, that might be true. Like you might have some pretty bad repercussions because of that, but it's definitely by no means a life sentence where you can never deadlift again or never lean forward and pick something up off the floor again. Like eventually, as long as you have proper mobility and you really take certain measures by maybe hiring a personal trainer or a coach to take you through very specific programming that helps you to conservatively and systematically increase weights. Like there's no reason why someone couldn't just literally hinge forward and pick up weights. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's all about lifting mechanics. So right. as long as you're lifting with it, it, like in such a way that you're using your levers properly and you're not just putting all of the pressure on your back with the, with the way that you're lifting, you absolutely not only can you include strength training or lifting weights into your strength training regimen, but you definitely should. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> like we've talked about in the past, like there are going to be moments in your life where you do need to pick something heavy up or yeah. you are, you do need to push something heavy over your head and like to, to then do that for the first time to like ever when you're in that situation where you have to do it, puts your body at a little bit more risk. Whereas if you're gradually kind of building up and building up tolerance in that, in those movement patterns, you're not going to be as likely to throw your back out by like, bending down and picking up your kid or something like that. Yeah. Right? And we, yeah, we've got so many members that achieve where they've had a previous history of back pain, even things like neck pain and shoulder pain, knee pain, like just the standard types of joint pain that people get, but just through sound strength training principles, just through mobility and just through, I think the biggest thing, which is just consistent movement mm. throughout on, on a weekly basis, rather than kind of being confined to a desk at all times and really lacking that sort of, diverse movement that you could be going through um, has really been really been game-changing without having to spend too much time on being like okay this person has back pain so I need to program specifically for their back pain yeah right um, which is which is um, which is awesome and so the way we generally progress someone to let's say deadlift if they have back pain is to first start off with just hinging mechanics. Mm -hmm. And so we have them bend their knees slightly, and then we have them push their hips back, usually towards the wall, just to give them a little feedback and allow their torso to lean forward. And we might spend four weeks, six weeks there. Um, eventually what we might do is have them pick up a kettlebell, a light kettlebell that we elevate up to them and meet them where they're at. Um, it might be a 12 kg, a 16 kg, and we have them perform deadlifts from there. Eventually we reduce that elevation, and then eventually we increase the weights and finally, they're back to deadlifting with the barbell and like in a matter of maybe six months to eight months or so. Mm -hmm. The problem is if someone has that sort of diagnosis and then goes right back to barbell deadlifting, they go back to 135. Oh, 135 is so easy, but you just have to kind of rebuild yourself. 
but there's it's definitely not a life sentence where you can never strength train, never lift again. Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction is that I like for us to just say, no, yeah, it's fine to, to lift weights with a slip right. disc is a little bit dangerous because we don't know how they're lifting weights and like what type like <laughs> what percentage of their one rep max they're lifting. Like, yeah. you know, like there's a lot of questions to be asked before just saying like, yes, go lift go weights, lift, yeah. which is why Jason said in the beginning, like we do recommend trying to find a trainer, even if it's just for a session or two, just to say, Hey, I do have some stuff going on with my back. I just want to make sure I'm lifting safely. Like, mm-hmm. can you watch my lifts? Can you watch me deadlift? Can you watch me squat? Just like make sure that I'm not doing anything that's really um, going to put me at risk. And then if they're like, mm, you you're not really moving <laughs> as yeah. well as you could be, then maybe ask them for a program and a couple more sessions so that you can take the time to really learn that. Um, because I think working with a coach, I mean, we think obviously we're coaches, like we think there's so much value Absolutely. in working with a trainer and working with a coach who can watch you lift and can help you to move more opti- optimally. Um, and yeah, so you definitely can lift, but you really want to make sure that you're doing it safely. <clears throat> Excuse me. My, I've got a little frog in my throat today. <clears> throat> um, so having a having a trainer at some point watch you is is definitely recommended. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and also it definitely wouldn't hurt getting checked out by a physical therapist oh, of yeah. some sort as well. I um, guess I assumed because they know if they know they have a slip disc, they probably have seen some sort of medical professional. That's true, yeah. Um but yeah, a PT who who also wants to help you reintegrate exercise back into your life, I think that's actually a, a good distinction as well. Yeah, um, and it's it's kind of few and far between actually yeah, that's PTs true. that have that mindset. Um you know, I think when a lot of physical therapists see people, it's kind of just like, let me get them out of pain in the amount of visits that insurance actually allows them mm. instead of thinking, uh, based on their goal, but instead of thinking like, how can I get them to not only get out of pain, but then function as well after it and function in a high performance setting if that's what they want to have happen. And we've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of PTs that understand that people don't just want to be out of pain, but they want to be functional. They want to be athletic. And so we've been working closely with them to make sure that, you know, their patients after the rehab process now get back into our gym sitting and then we can help them get there um, by bridging that gap, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So it's been great. Awesome. All right. The last question is from Melo86. And they said, what are good lower body exercises for runners for cross training slash injury prevention? I thought this was a good one because of the timing. This past Monday was Marathon oh, Monday. Yeah. Oh, um, at so Achieve. Fun. At Achieve. This <laughs> <laughs> Marathon Monday at Achieve. People ran 26.2 miles inside our inside 6,000 6, square foot building. That would be uh, miserable. Uh, yeah, apparently I say at Achieve a lot. So, um, in Boston. So, yeah, yeah, in Boston, yeah. Which is, um, I don't, is it a federal holiday? Or in it Boston. Just, in Boston, yeah. It's Patriots Day, yeah. but I think Patriots Day is a made-up holiday just to be able to get work off for Marathon Monday, <laughs> essentially. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was fitting anyway. Yeah. So the Boston Marathon happened this past Monday, and yeah, we want to talk a little bit about how we can, uh, how we typically go about training our runners. Runners. Yeah. Um, it's not too different from how we go about training anyone else, That's true. <laughs> to <Yeah>. be honest, <laughs> um, because everybody kind of needs a little bit more like glute and hamstring development and like people tend to be a little bit quad dominant. So we kind of just go about it in very similar ways um, in terms of we make sure that people do squats and deadlifts and lunges and 
Also, I guess something else that's important for runners, runners are only working in one plane, right? Like they're only moving forward. And so to make sure that we get some like lateral lunges and do some, use some different planes of motion so that we're making sure we're accessing all of those movement patterns because there's that repetition. If we then keep doing that same type of repetition in the gym could potentially just kind of exacerbate anything that might be going on. Yeah. I think, um, you know, when you, when you talk to runners, typically they'll usually say something like, oh, I need to cross train but I just want to focus on my upper body because oh, yeah, my lower true. body is strong. And, you know, which is true to a certain degree, but it's very strong in a very particular pattern where it's, again, like Lauren mentioned, just very um, sagittal plane, which is very just straight ahead, straight forward. Um, so they don't get a lot of sort of lateral training or training in that sort of like multi-planar um, environment that we would like them to be in. So that's definitely one of it. Just get them doing lateral lunges and cross behind lunges and all this sort of stuff where we're trying to target a different spectrum of movement for them. And then also, yeah, their quads might be strong because their knees are continuously going forward and absorbing force and stuff like that. But we want to make sure that we bounce it out with a lot of hamstring exercises, a lot of glute exercises to try to balance it out from a muscular development standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, other considerations are um, ankle mobility. We take a lot of stock into ankle mobility um, because if their ankles are a little bit limited, what might end up happening is they might toe out and kind of run in like a duck-footed fashion. Um, another thing that might happen if their ankle mobility is decent, but maybe not as optimal as it could be, um, it means that they can't absorb force each time they strike um, as well as they could be. So the more ankle mobility you have, the better forces you'll be able to receive. So thinking about running in a ski boot, that's going to be much more difficult than running you know, totally uh, without any sort of um, hampered mobility, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, I guess the last piece is having a lot of single leg training into their uh, programming um, because, you know, when they're striding, they're going to be in more of that sort of split stance or maybe even a single leg stance. And we want to make sure that we have balance and stability all um, as part of their training program. Yeah. And then definitely, actually, one thing that we both left out that is like one of the keys is uh, is proper core training, um, because mm-hmm. a lot of times with when Jason's talking about absorbing force. Um, a lot of times, if your core isn't necessarily functioning optimally in terms of being able to stabilize when you are kind of like absorbing that force with your foot down into the ground, you could potentially, if there's a lot of runners who complain of back pain, it's usually because their back ends up arching with Mm. each stride. And so we're working a lot with runners on, um, sort of that rib cage pelvis connection that we, we do talk about with things, exercises like marching and dead bugs, where we're trying to make sure that you can stabilize with your rib cage stacked directly over your hips, as opposed to flared open, Mm. um, um, and so strengthening your core in that way is uh, is actually really key for runners as well. Yeah. And, you know, especially as you get tired, you start to breathe up into your chest and yeah. that makes it even more likely that you'll do that. Um, and so that's actually happened to me before where I just will breathe up top quite a bit and then my lower back starts to get fatigued. And that that's almost like the thing that stops me from continuing running is, mm. is the actual lower back fatigue. So that's definitely a really good point. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, <clears throat> like when they feel lower back pain, I have heard from runners that they want to strengthen their lower back Mm, um, because they feel lower back pain. And typically it's not actually that you need to necessarily strengthen your lower back. It's more that you need to be able to um, sort of just control your torso a little bit better through training your core. Yeah. So lower back is just kind of like taking the brunt because it's kind of in a a little bit of an inefficient position. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, lastly... For, for people, uh, for our members who are a little bit more, let's say, um, 
into strength training and they want to get into running, one of the considerations that we take is making sure that their foot and calf strength is actually up to par as well. Mm. So we'll incorporate a lot more single leg calf raises, let's say off of a box, um, double leg calf raises, jump roping, maybe being a little bit more barefoot. Uh, these are some things that we try to take into account. So like what Lauren said way up front was that we pretty much treat it exactly the same <laughs> way as we would with any other member. But based on people's goals, we kind of like emphasize certain portions that might be conducive for that person. But everyone, like the human species as a whole, could do better with ankle mobility, with a, a, a wide variety of movement, more core control, better alignment, like all these things just humans need in general, not just runners or not just strength trainers, like things yeah. like that. Yeah, so. it's so easy to fall into like... <sighs> sports specific training right um but the reality is that comes after this like big base of better like all the things jason just listed better yeah. movement better mobility better stability all these things like that's that needs to be the base and then you can throw in some calf raises yeah. or you know <laughs> some like things to help your golf swing but before that just moving better and being more stable all of those things are going to make you a more efficient runner yeah period it doesn't have to be anything so specific to to running or so specific to your sport yeah that's so true i mean you you see a lot of like funny stuff like online where people are like throwing a fake pitch while holding onto a cable handle right to do like a resisted <laughs> throwing motion yeah. or they'll do like yeah resisted um, cable chops to better their golf swing like mm -hmm. they do so much to try to make it so sport specific but yeah you, you just have to build a really good base first of just solid movement training solid mobility training and build on that and then towards the end kind of like the cherry on top or some of the sport specific stuff but you can't really develop it um without, without building base that base first, first. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah all right cool well that are those are all of our answers to your burning questions for today thank you so much for sending those in if you have any questions of your own you can send them to us at achieve fitness boston on instagram if you like the podcast and you wouldn't mind leaving us a review on itunes we'd be super grateful for that and until next time peace love and, and muscles, muscles.